You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We hope everybody had a great holiday season and happy new year. Happy 2020. Today, we're going to be talking to the Hall of Famer, Tony La Russa. Not only a baseball Hall of Famer, but an A's Hall of Famer. One of the great managers in the history of the game. Dallas Braden is going to be by. We'll talk to Dallas about a lot of things going on in baseball, including Fantasy Camp, which is coming up this weekend. Bip Roberts, the former All-Star who you see on NBC California doing A's pre- and post-game live, will be here. And then we're going to have from MLB.com, Anthony Castrovance, who's done his 20 bold predictions for 2020. But we're going to start with the man, the myth, the legend, the great Tony La Russa. Tony, welcome back to A's Cast Live. And uh, this Saturday, I know, is going to be very, very special in Concord. Well, we're lucky uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we made these uh, invitations and unanimously. You can imagine Bruce and Buster and Albert and Mark and uh, Stu and Eck. I mean, they all said yes, and then we, we wanted to make sure we hit the young gun guys, so we had Marcus, Matt, and uh, Jack Flaherty. Unfortunately, Jack and uh, and Matt can't be there, so they're going to sign some stuff ahead of time, but that's lucky, and, and ours lucky, because we've come up on a, on, a, on a mission that really, really does a lot of good, and we get a lot of support. You know, Tony, I think about baseball as family, and, you know, being down at the winter meetings this past year in San Diego and, you know, getting to see people that you, you don't get to see throughout the year, and I think about your long, great career, whether it was as a player, whether it's with the White Sox, the A's, with the Cardinals, then the Red Sox, and now at the Angels, and you make all these relationships. And one of the great things about all these relationships is how they've been able to help ARF over the years. Talk about just all these great people have been able to, not only from your time, your standpoint of being able to manage them, the fact that they give back and still help you today. Well, it's really a model. It's one that, believe me, I didn't invent it. I was taught it. I grew up in the uh, Kansas City A's in the Oakland A's organization, so I was really taught well. And got into managing, had a lot of great mentors, and in uh, other sports as well. And what you learn that when you are playing, you're playing as a team, and you got to first you got to create that brotherhood, that family feeling where everybody is accountable and responsible to each other. Well, the, the a lot of good things happen. You compete at a higher level, you practice better, you play harder, you get more wins, all that stuff. But the other one is has been the biggest benefit of all when it's over. You still remember. You still remain part of the family because I had the uh, good fortune of being in Chicago, Oakland, St. Louis as a manager. You know, it's a it's a real a lot of a lot of guys in that family, and uh, and we all help each other. I mean, I I ask they help, and if they ask me, 
I say yes if I can. So, <clears throat> and I just suggested that whatever you get into, unless you're playing golf or tennis, you know, you, you create relationships because that's what makes it work. Did you ever think that ARF would be this great and this big? Oh, no. You know, Elaine, Elaine, my wife, is really, you know, she's been crazy, but she's the very knowledgeable animal crusader. I just love them. Um, but her and Bianca and Devin are, you know, they really have a lot of know-how. So in 19, the winter of 1990, after the uh, heavy cat came on the field, we got serious about it. We were, I mean, believe me, our, our hope was to survive and maybe build, you know, 7,000, 8,000 square feet someplace and save a couple, two, three hundred a year. And instead we've got the 30 plus thousand in Walnut Creek. And we just, I think we just passed the 43,000 adoption. So no clue, but it all comes down to having a great mission. And as people, we, we haven't let down the people that support us. Yeah. And, and of course you guys need a new roof at, at, at your headquarters. Yeah. Well, the facility opened in 2003 and 15 years later, we started leaking, you know, and that caused all kind of chaos in the building. So you got to patch it up and, uh, and it's a big tab. And years ago, I'm, I don't know if you remember this, but when I was at the A's, we used to have an autograph show called Baseball Stars to the Rescue. And, well, we had, you know, a lot of great guys. We had giants like Will Clark and guys like that. Kirby Puckett came in. But then when I went to the Cardinals, it was really difficult, awkward to do, so we stopped doing it. And this the roof issue came up, and I thought, you know, I'm going to make a few phone calls. And if a couple of guys say yes, let's move forward. So the first four I called were Bruce and Buster uh, McGuire and, uh, and Albert, uh, actually five back. And they all five said yes. And, uh, since then Reggie said, I asked Reggie, he said yes. And, you know, of course, Stu's jumped in there. And then, uh, the young guys, the young future, future hall of famers are already stars. So, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's a lot like the R story. I mean, if you had told me a month ago, six weeks ago, that it would have come this fast and we would have had this kind of, uh, donations because they donate man up to a couple hundred signatures so it's, it's a it's a hefty donation i'd have said no chance but it's happening yeah arflife.org you can go check it out and you can see in concord uh this saturday 9 30 to 4 p.m you can see the schedule for each one of these guys there's a morning session there is an afternoon session and, you know, one of the guys, and it's so great to see him getting back in the public because I know raising young kids and, and Mark was in the game. But to see Mark McGuire, we had him on the show here before he went into the Hall of Fame, but getting to see Mark again and, and to hear him talk because he's always been so good. And, Tony, it was funny, for a lot of these young A's fans, they never really have heard Mark McGuire speak until he did the interview here on A's cast. I know how much he means to you. Just how great is it to see basically Mark McGuire back in the public and being out here again? Well, it's, it's much much did well deserved and to all our benefits. Uh, I mean, I've gone on record many, many times back when Mark started as a rookie throughout his whole career. You can ask whether it was in Oakland or St. Louis. Uh, he, there was never a more favored teammate. I mean, he's a great team. He's a great guy, but also a great player. And then he became very smart about things. And then as, as he and Steph got together and now they have, you know, their two sons and their triplet girls are great parents. Uh, but, you know, we had to just stay close to him like we were talking about the relationship over the years. And I realized just how, how much he had learned about him. So sure enough, in 2010-11, brought him back 
my last team at Benson, and we celebrated a World Series together, and he was instrumental. If you look at the, the how Freese got hot there at the end, Alan Craig got hot, he was instrumental in, in tweaking an, an issue they were having. So having him back in the, in the public eye, you know, he, he coached with the Dodgers for a while afterwards and then went to San Diego. Now he's, he's raising these two boys that are going to be stars. Uh, it's all our benefit. And uh, if somebody comes up there on Saturday, you have a chance to say hello to him. He, he'll, you know, he's got a beautiful smile and he's a beautiful guy. The Concord Hilton Ballroom, 1970 Diamond Boulevard in Concord, California. And it's going to be from 9.30 to 4 o'clock. And I think about what you guys do for animals. And, and, and really, especially when I think about dogs, what they mean to people and these service dogs that are helping so many people. It, 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 it truly, you know, I just recently got a puppy, Tony, and what it means to my kids <laughs> and our family. It's just dogs truly become a part of your family. Well, they, they, they definitely do. In fact, I think a lot of times they're better people because I can remember walking in the house after a losing game, my wife and my daughter, you know, why'd you pitch this guy? Why didn't you bunt? And then behind me was that dog and cat with their wagon tails. Hey, we don't care. We love you anyway. So you've done your kids a favor by, by introducing a companion animal to him because he'll be there for him every day all the time and uh you know you you talked about uh the value of the people that's the, the other part of our mission if somebody drives out to Walnut creek we're, we're really pleased they'll see that under construction is a country's very first uh, private nonprofit facility for veterans with ptsd to uh train their 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 dogs whether it's for emotional support or for service and uh, it's right next to our building, and uh, pretty soon they, it's it's going to be a, something that uh, will happen around the country because you can't do enough for veterans. Yeah, I I, I love that idea, Tony. That uh, the dog or cat never wonders why you pit, didn't pinch hit that guy in the ninth inning. <laughs> That's right. Oh, believe me, that they, I've I've gone. They've been my rescue many a nights when if if the ladies didn't get on my but I was getting on my own, and uh, they just didn't care. And pretty soon. It was better. Yeah, and, and talk a little bit more about that when, when our soldiers come back and they're dramatically affected mentally, how these dogs can help them so much. Well, one of the issues that uh, we were all facing, well, we go way back when it was really ugly in the 60s with Vietnam, but since then, you know, our members of the military are, and all our first responders are really treated with respect and the sacrifices and the dangers they go through. So the suicide rate is probably the best way to get your attention. The suicide rate is just horrific. And when they come back from the Middle East, you know, what do they got? And they got issues with uh, orientation, education, housing, uh, employment, probably readjusting the family. And uh, so there are different ways companies are hired. But one of the things you can do especially if, if, with the PTS issues and getting there so deep is that you can introduce a companion. It's that simple. So we have a great uh, slogan that was developed for this program. Ours, ours is called Pets and Vets. It, it saves lives at both ends of the leash because the dogs that the veterans take are the ones that come off the list at 24 hours later to be, they be euthanized. And so you literally are saving that life and then the quality of life of the veteran improves the testimony. We've been doing this for seven years now. The testimonials will make you cry. I mean, they're, they're, you can see how real this program is, and we're inspired to do more. 
And that's why we all need to support ARF, and we need to support this Saturday, January 11th, 9.30 to 4 o'clock, Concord Hilton Ballroom, 1970 Diamond Boulevard in Concord, California. Just, you know, just one baseball question for you, Tony. When, you know, I talk about how Bill Walsh with the 49ers always talked about the Super Bowl. It was everything was about winning the Super Bowl. He never said, I just want to make the playoffs. I just, I, you know, we just want to win the division. It was always about the Super Bowl because when you're dealing with the human mind, if you're saying we just want to win the division, once you've won the division, you've accomplished your goals. And I think about this A's team that's won 97 games two straight years and got bounced from the wild card game. But for me, their mental mind state this spring training has to be, you know what, we can win it all, and the goal is to win the World Series. How did you handle that as a manager when you talked about this is what the goal is, these are the expectations? Well, there's no doubt in my mind that mentally uh... – when the A's get together pretty soon in a month or so, the, the, the frame of mind will be taken care of because there's nobody does a better job, Bob Melvin and his coaches. Uh, the, the one thing you just got to be careful with is that you got to be realistic in the expectations. Like if you're just coming out and you're improving and, and, and winning more than you lose is a good year, you know, you can't say we're going to win series that year, your team, or say it to the public because the pressure is just unfair. But I think what Bill was what did once he knew that they, he had as good a club as anybody, then that's when you raise the bar and you and you create the dream because sometimes the dream comes through. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to. It's like what I just described a minute ago. One side of the equation, you don't want to create a pressure that's unrealistic. Like we're going to win the division when the, the best you can do is play 500. But at the same time, you don't want to under under dream, you know, if you have a club that's competitive, and to me the answer has always been if you are capable of getting to the playoffs, which the A's have done, for example, then you are capable of dreaming the World Series because once you get into the world, into the playoffs, it's been proven any team of the eight can win a short series. So I do believe that you, you set your sights high. If you can get in, if you're good enough to get to the playoffs, then you got to dream for the big one. Nothing else matters. Tony, you are the best. Have a great – we'll keep promoting it throughout the week. Have a great Saturday with your friends, your former players. It's going to be a real magical day there in Concord. We always appreciate the time. Happy New Year. Yeah, real quick, you know, the way we're presenting are in pairs, you know, so it's like Boshi and Posey and uh, uh, McGuire with uh, Stu and Ethan Pools and me and Reggie. And then and the kids are by themselves. But if somebody comes in and just wants to buy a autograph, then the autograph they'll see is more expensive, and they'll see what a bargain the double play is. Uh, I want to make sure everybody understood that. So but I appreciate the time, man, and, th- and just get the word out because it's going to be a nice event. We'll promote it all week. Take care, Tony. Okay, man. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, if you get an opportunity to go out to Concord and check this event out, the big names are going to be there. Uh, I think it's definitely worth it for you this Saturday coming up. And, Tony, what he does for ARF is uh, – and become a friend of the program, and we really, really appreciate it. Dallas Braden is going to be down there breaking bats, fantasy camp down in Mesa, Arizona. But a lot to talk about with Dallas Braden. Just not fantasy camp, but what's going on with the athletics in Major League Baseball. Dallas, how are you? Talk to, talk to me, Tony. I'm doing well, buddy. Are you? Are, 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 how's the arm, and are you ready for fantasy camp? 
oh, I am ready for fantasy camp. I've been uh, I've been getting loose with the blitz ball. I don't know if you are uh, privy to the blitz ball. It's uh, this little octagonal, octagonal, however you say that word, uh, shaped ball. You can make it move like you're actually good at baseball. So that's why I like it because it makes me makes me feel like I'm really good at what's going on. I'm ready. I'm ready, County. These guys, I've been getting DMs and text messages and, and all the sorts from from past and present campers that are ready to rock. I cannot wait. I'll be out of here Wednesday, headed to Mesa, uh, out at Talking Stick, ready to, uh, you know, they call it fantasy, but really it's, it's by the time I'm done with them, County, it's a nightmare. Oh, you kidding me? Sitting around, drinking beers at night, telling stories and playing baseball all day long. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, that's 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 the idea of the fantasy label, right? Is is I've always talked about. Look, if you have if you have a, a a boys' trip, a girls' trip, a fan trip, sort of plans, a bucket list type deal that you have set up between you and a group of friends, and you love the game of baseball, there really is no better way to satiate that desire than to go to. A's fantasy camp as an A's fan. As you alluded to, man, we're going to be playing baseball from morning through the afternoon. There's stuff going on in the morning. Kangaroo Court, like I've talked about before, is probably one of my favorite things to do. Um, we have a MVP, all-star caliber guest that we will be having a Q&A with as well. So I cannot wait to get out there and get this going. A's Fantasy Camp, January 9th through the 14th. I believe you can still get in. It's simple. Just get on Google, put in a Oakland A's Fantasy Camp, and you'll get all the information you want. Jason Giambi's going to be there this year. Dave Stewart, Vita Blue, uh, Campy, Bobby Crosby, Carney Lansford. I mean, you're going to have Shooty Babbitt, going to have you, Dallas Braden, and you get to dress in the big league uniform. I mean, how cool is that for the campers? Tony, it's, you, you know what's awesome is it kind of takes me back, man, because I get to talk about all the uh, all, all those guys that you just mentioned. But walking into a clubhouse and seeing their jerseys hanging with their names strewn across the back, I get excited. I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about walking back in there and seeing Giambi's name hanging on a jersey in his locker, knowing I saw that we were teammates. And now here he like it's just it's insane. I couldn't imagine what a fantasy camper would feel like sitting next to Dave Stewart, walking in and seeing that jersey hanging in their clubhouse. Incredible feeling, man. So I, I get stoked just as much as these folks that are coming in for the first time. Some of them for the twelfth time. I just got a text message from one of our campers who's been coming eleven years from Australia, County. Wow. So that's how far this thing goes, and we know. We know what's going on in Australia right now. So for folks to, to be able to find the time to, to make their way out here and still stay consistent, I mean, you know how much it means to them, all things considered. Yeah, the fires are just absolutely horrific, and it, it is just so sad. All the animals and the past, it's just so sad. So, but, but, but that just goes to show you that when you go to this camp, how the relationships get built that they're so strong that you got campers texting you all the time. Well, that's it. And, and I have, and I, I, I love it because, you know, I always jokingly say I've got enough friends and I don't like half of them, but uh, that's obviously tongue in cheek because if you love the game, there's a good chance we're going to be friends. Doesn't matter if we've met or not. 
And Fantasy Camp provides me that opportunity to meet fans from all walks of life, from all corners of the globe, and I get to enjoy it with them on a level that you don't always get as maybe an announcer because I'm enjoying the game with the likes of the great Glenn Kuyper and the great Ray Fossey and maybe not necessarily fans who enjoy the game on a different level than we do. But for a week, I kind of get to pull that curtain back and really dive in with just absolute diehards. And, you know, talking about this season coming up, because, I, you know, this is our first show of 2020, and I'm, like, telling people, like, hey, you're going to blink, Super Bowl's going to be over, and we're, we're getting into baseball season. You know, quietly oh, yeah. one of the nice things about this offseason for the A's, there wasn't that much to do. Compared to, like, last year, they had to come up with a starting five for a rotation, which <laughs> sure. is unbelievable. Yeah, no, and, and I think what you're excited about, you know, I'm one of the things, and, and tell me if you found yourself kind of kicking this around at all, but it is something that I pay attention to, not only covering our Oakland A's, but covering the game on a larger scale as well, is honestly, what kind of baseball are we going to get? And what does that do for teams' projections? You know, because I think the Oakland A's are in a sort of sweet spot. And we're talking about a club county who, if I'm, if I'm correct, was either like, fifth or sixth, top five, top ten, I believe, um, in in home runs as a squad, right? I think we were fifth. So you look at the you look around the infield, you know, you've got thirty at each corner, no doubt. Marcus Simeon as well, twenty five thirty pop capability. The outfield kind of speaks for itself with Loriano and Canna, Canna or Loriano getting regular at bats. You know uh, what happened with K D last year battling the injury in my opinion uh, from the moment it happened all the way through that's that was just a blip so the A's don't really they're they're not a club that is going to fall victim to or have that impact them on such a great level so I also think about the 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 left-handed monsters that are there looming ready to take this thing on right I mean Mania, Puck, Lazardo you talked about the rotation those are guys I mean you got fires coming back I mean Bassett you know uh, then there's going to be options there so I'm 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 as excited as I think anybody should be. And, and one of the things I want to tell fans about, too, is just having the opportunity to talk to some of these guys throughout the offseason, County is it was, as anybody I think that watched, it was a very bitter and sour taste in the mouth after that one game, after the wild card at home. And it was, it was an entire group of guys who just couldn't wait to get back to work so that they could really put the division in their sights and and knowing that that's their mindset i can't wait for the balls to roll out in 2020 and i can't wait to see what happens to the houston astros and you obviously do a national show what have you been hearing well you know i mean i i don't think it's anything anything new in terms of what i think a lot of folks anticipated throughout the industry which is obviously there's going to be money involved folks are going to folks are going to have their pocketbooks uh, opened up. There's going to be folks who aren't allowed to come around the game of baseball, whether that be for a lifetime, whether that be for a long period of time. There's going to be somebody that's going to get their card pulled, if you know what I mean. Like, no, no, you don't get to come, and you're not allowed around any of this. Um, obviously, then you get into the business side, you know, draft picks, international signing money, things of that nature, things that just would impact a club 
from progressing because that's how you've got to look at this is, you know, I, I posed this question um, on my podcast with Barstool Sports is what are you now angry at? Let me ask you what resonates with you on what level is Pete Rose still that bad guy. How do you feel about the Houston Astros, whether it's collectively, whether you choose to identify or for whatever reason, single out an individual, because that's not what it's about here. I think it's about, you know, a, a bigger group offending collectively. And that's what has a lot of folks riled up here is it's not just sort of, you know, one lone wolf acting. This isn't just a rogue employee. This is, this is a collective group going to work here. So are you mad at Pete Rose for betting on baseball to win baseball games? Are you mad at the Houston Astros team front office for cheating their opponents to what some would feel a world championship and division championships. Like the, and, and, and that's what's tough is because <laughs> are, are we discrediting all the hard work that these guys have put in uh, in the offseason? I know who what Joe Musgrove, I believe, was just, uh, was just interviewed. He, he sort of talked about the work that they put in, and it's tough to think that you're taking away from their skill sets and their abilities and the, the axes that they each grind to prepare but that's part of why you don't want to do that, right? Is because that cloud will now forever loom over those performances, whether you like it or not. And that's, you know what? That's that's just the road you hope. Yeah, it takes away your credibility. And that's just a reality. When you cheat, no matter what it is, and people find out and you get accused of it and, they've, and they prove it, it'll take away credibility. And, you know, from the A standpoint, yeah, you're angry. You've won 97 games two straight years, and it just gets you into the wild card game. You know, what would it be like if they were just playing straight up at home? I mean, because like last year, they won 60 games at home. If they weren't cheating, mm-hmm. what would it be like? Right. Well, and, and, and it's, it's not only that, but you think about, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, we've had individuals that have, have shown the light on the impact for a player specifically, going out there, getting your butt kicked. Now one of those coveted options as a young guy might get burned and you're back down in 3A trying to figure it out. And really what you can't figure out is the fact that they have cameras and signals. And so so those are, you know, the ramifications is just like a shattered windshield. The, the, it just spider webs to all corners. And, and you, you really there's no stopping the impact. And, and, and you're right, County. What if, what if the Oakland A's, and it's not to say, you know, that everybody is cheating to some extent, but what if the Oakland A's were able to have a system like that in place and they were able to capitalize on that? Is there, you know, it's, it's all about that even playing field. It's really tough. It's really t- I Think about the AL East, how things flip-flopped. What happened with the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees two years ago as compared to last year, right? The Yankees really got... I don't want to say got pummeled, but they they didn't they didn't have success that they should have had against a well below average team. This year, they pummeled that team all the way to the best record in the East. So you can see what happens when teams take care of business. Teams do what they're supposed to do. Uh, it's just tough to think that they're playing. You know, they're playing with an extra card. They're playing with an ace up their sleeve. You mentioned the big three young left-handers: Shamanaya, AJ Puck, and Jesus Lazardo. Who are you most excited to watch in 2020? I think I'm most excited to watch AJ Puck. And it's 
it, I think it's an excitement built around how he is going to handle and how he is going to progress through his first full season, provided everything falls into place. He will have all of his weapons at his disposal. This will be the year that he's able to go through a spring training and, you know, go out there the first outing, rebounding a couple days in between bullpen. All of this is going to be new to him. This is the first year he kind of gets to do that as a big leaguer. And what that season unfolds like is, is what's exciting to me because I think you've, you, you've seen when, when the stuff is there, when, when he's on with a fastball, I mean, it just, it's almost, he's, he's undressing people at times, Tony, it's unfair. And I look forward to 150 plus innings of that. That would be really exciting. There is no doubt about it. Not as exciting as taking at bats off of you down at fantasy camp. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, there's, there's a couple people that are tugging on Superman's case. I, I maintain Tony. I have a zero ERA over three fantasy camp seasons. So I'm at zero, you know, I don't know if that's again, don't let your fantasy become a nightmare. Maybe pick on somebody else, but <laughs> but yeah, there, there, there will be, a, there will be a line. Don't wait. And I, I appease. I don't ever let the, let the crowd go home empty handed. You are the best, my friend. Have a good time down in Mesa. All right, big dog. We'll see you. Somebody's got to hit a dinger off him. Come on. He's never given up a run before. Manufacture one off Dallas Braden. How much fun would that be to be the guy that gets the first RBI? Because let me tell you, there's a lot of trash talking going down there at Fantasy Camp. And if you ever get an opportunity to go, everybody you know says it's absolutely 100% a a blast. It's it's, it's like the best time. And the friendships that you build down there and people go year after year, it's truly an amazing event. How about our buddy Bip Roberts, Oakland's own former all-star, now does pre and post for NBC California, A's pre and post game live. Here is my conversation with the Bipster. You see him on A's pre and post game live on NBC Sports California, former Oakland A, former all-star, the great Bip Roberts, and as I say all the time, one of my favorite guys watching play when I was a kid growing up. Bipster, happy holidays. How are you? Tony, Happy New Year. How you doing, my friend? You know what? This is our first show of 2020, so I'm like, you got to get Bip on. And Bip, I, I, <laughs> I, I know we're still in football, but man, I, I just, I, I, I'm ready to rock. I've been getting, I've been reading all this stuff, getting my notes ready. I just, I just, before you know it, we're going to be at spring training. I just got a really good feeling about this A's ball club this year. Yeah, I, I feel the same way you do, Tony. It's like, you know, you got one more year of experience with those guys getting better coming off last year's experience. And and now we have some players that I think the entire nation are going to be watching. So we're going to get that attention that we deserve, especially with Marcus doing what he did last year, having Chappie over at third, Olsen over at first. You know, and hopefully Chris Davis can bounce back so that we have the power that we had in the previous years from him. But I, I just think this is going to be an exciting team. I know second base is open. I'm sure that an exciting player will fill that position. And I think the infield just gets better. So, you know, when you look at the nucleus of this team, you know, and you look at the outfielders, the speed we have in the outfield from one to nine, this is going to be a very good team. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's cold out here in California right now, but I am really looking forward to the spring as well as the summer, definitely. For you as a player, 
when did you start getting ready and starting to really heat it up as you would head to spring training? So, Tony, when I got to spring training, I was ready. You know, they used to have to hold me back because they said I was getting too many hits down there. So, I think guys mentally start turning it on right around Thanksgiving and start to feel good about themselves. I was actually uh, online one day, and because I follow Marcus Simmons, I saw he was working out already, and he had some nice swings. And I was very impressed early in, in, in the wintertime as to what I was seeing, which tells me if he's working hard right now, what do you think the other guys are doing? Because, again, he was always the first guy out, pushing the other younger guys, making them work hard. And so as a leader, that's what you have to do. And I'm sure if he was working out, the entire roster's working out because they want to keep up with that young man. And if you can keep up with that young man, I'm sure you're going to have a good year. So I'm looking at 2020 as a year where the A's shocked a lot of people. I know the West is going to be tough, but I think the A's shocked some teams and show Houston that they are the team to be reckoned with this year. Yeah, and we don't know what's going to happen with Houston and possible uh, things coming down from the commissioner's office. And, you know, as a player – do you okay? Let, let's say let's say it has nothing to do with AJ Hinch or the players, and then let's say some suspensions and fines and stuff come down, and, and it's all front office related. Would that affect you as a player? Well, you know, Tony, it, it's still about seeing the ball and hit the ball. You can know what's coming, and I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I, I'd rather not know what's coming so I can react to the pitch that I see. The A's beat them anyway, so it didn't matter if they had signs or not. It comes down to execution on the field. I think that when you are trying to get the upper hand and you find a way to kind of escalate around the rules, I think you should be punished. And I think that whatever comes down on Houston, they deserve it. Because if it's true where they were using the camera in center field to get signs in real time and passing it to the hitters, then they need to be fined for that. Something has to be done so that no other team gets the idea and think they could skate around the rules. Because – you know, when you cheat, and I'll just use that word, when you cheat, you need to pay the price. The A's and the other teams seem to be doing things the right way and competing fairly, but Houston wants to act as if they're smarter than the rest of the league and cheat. And so if they get caught and it's found that they cheated, I hope they get punished so that they never do that again because it's 163 game, 162 games, and when you think about it, Tony, that's a long season, and to have one team – at an unfair advantage is just not right, and I want to see that corrected. We don't have a New England Patriots in the uh, MLB, and we're going to correct that, I'm sure. Yeah, and the thing I think about a BIP is is you're treading in some dangerous waters because not every player is going to stay with the, your team. So when you, if you're doing stuff like this, there's so much player movement like, how do you think a player that then the next year goes to another team isn't going to tell that franchise, here's exactly what's happening over there? <laughs> you know, we have a word for that in the neighborhood, right? That's called snitch. <laughs> 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 so you're going you're gonna to always have a snitch or two belly from the other team and let you know what the secrets were. And I, I think that's just a situation where you just can't do it because it's going to come back on you eventually. As you said, Tony, players move around so much. They're not loyal to one team or the other at times. And when they get traded, they're upset with the team that traded them. So they're going to tell all the secrets. And so if you're doing things that should not be done, then it's going to come out. And we see it's come out. And, you know, it's funny because when I heard about it, 
I went back and started trying to do research because I, I heard I, I was hearing about uh, banging on the drum or banging on the wall or the garbage cans or the whistle. And then I heard about, well, when, when a certain guy hit a home run or walk-off, they didn't rip off the shirt because maybe it was something under the shirt. So, you know, I, I just don't like that. I, I think, you know, again, anytime you cheat, you have to pay the penalty. We saw that when we had the steroid era. Those guys that use steroids are now paying the penalties. And I think that anytime a team cheats, something has to happen. I don't know if A.J. knew about it. I'm sure he may have. I know A.J., he's a good guy, he's a very smart kid, but sometimes people just they want to skirt around the rules, and sometimes it gives them an unfair advantage. And teams just want to win. The bottom line is wins and losses. So you want to win more than you lose. And sometimes they say if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But in this case, I think they got caught. You know, I think about Chris Davis. The A's were fifth in home runs last year, and he had a down year after three straight years of hitting 40 or more home runs. What do you think this offense will look like with all the younger guys being one year better and if you could get Chris Davis back back to being Chris Davis? Well, you know, every season you want to keep things in perspective. You can't bring back last year and you can't do more than you're capable of doing. It's about these guys, again, finding that happy medium, being relaxed in the season, and playing their game not worried about what am I supposed to be doing, but just handle what's happening on a daily basis. And I I think they have some players who are very good at that, separating the future from, you know, what you're supposed to be doing today. Um, Last year we had a few guys that struggled a little bit at times. I think they felt a little the pressure, but I think those were growing pains. And so now you can carry that over to this year. And what Chris Davis, what happened to him last year was after the injury, he just wasn't the same. And I think he got the contract, and I think he put pressure on himself. I think now he has the time, he had the winner to relax, exhale, and get back to what he does. And I think as long as the players do what they're capable of, they're going to be fine. Because, again, Tony, you know, Marcus doesn't do what Chris does. Tappy doesn't do what Olsen does. They all are separate individuals who have to do what they do in order to make the lineup. So as long as they keep it in perspective, all I have to do is play baseball and do my job, then I think they'll be fine. Because, again, you can't ask for too much more than they did last year. These guys played well last year. They just fell short again in the, in the, in the uh, play-in game. So I, I just think, again, the experience helps them understand the ups and downs. I think the experience helps them understand what the league is about. And now when they have rough times, they won't last as long. Maybe Chappie is not in a prolonged slump or so, so to speak, like he was last year. Maybe he, he gets out of that in two or three games instead of 10 or 15 games. So I think the experience is going to help these guys. It's just a matter of getting back to spring training and getting together as a unit and pushing forward as a unit. You know what it's like to be a young player and pressure to, to perform to stay on the roster as you were a Rule 5 pick by the Padres. Franklin yeah. Barreto yeah. has had a lot of pressure. Second base is yeah. wide open right now. Whether, you know, inside the organization, you talk Barreto, Mateo, Noisy, maybe the second baseman for the A's is not even in the organization right now. But going into spring training, if you could give advice to Franklin Barreto, what would it be? It would be to work on the things that you were not good at. My problem was I couldn't use the entire field as a 22-year-old Rule 5 guy. It took a guy like Gary Templeton to take me aside that winter and break down my mechanics, rebuild them, 
and then I could stay inside the baseball and use the entire field. The pitchers in the major leagues take advantage of your flaws. They used to beat me away. When I learned what I needed to learn, they couldn't beat me away anymore. That gave me confidence now to know I belong in the big leagues. He has to get to that point where he has no weaknesses and they can't exploit that weakness. And if he can do that, he will have the confidence to go with the abilities that he has. He's got great abilities, great speed. He's got pop for a little guy. He can hit the ball consistently with average. But when you get up here to the big leagues, they exploit your weaknesses. And now you have to figure out what it is you can do to stop them from exploiting that weakness. And he has to be able to go to the plate and say, I'm prepared for whatever you bring me. Let's go. And that's the only way you get confidence. Yeah, it's so tough with young players, and especially, Bip, when you don't get consistent at-bats, right? Like you come up, you right. play one day, you go 0 for 3. Then you sit two days, right. and then you get back in, and now you go 1 for 4, 0 for 4. It's like at some point, if you're going to believe in a young guy, you got to say, we're going to give you every shot in the world to to win the job because technically their offense is so good you could actually let him struggle a little bit before the light goes on. Yeah, but see, now if he continues to struggle, then he continues to fall into that deep black hole that he's been in for the last few years. He has to make sure that he's solid at the plate because when you go to the batter's box, it doesn't matter what they taught you, what you, whatever. You still have to hit the ball hard consistently. And that's something he did not do is hit the ball hard consistently. If he gets up there every two or three days, but he's hitting the ball consistently hard, then he's still developing confidence. But if he's striking out because they're exploiting his weaknesses, then he's not going to develop that confidence. He's going to end up back in AAA again because, again, you have to get the job done up here. So I just think that, yeah, if you have great guys around you, and I had guys like Roberto Alomar, Tony Gwynn, Joe Carter, Jack Clark, I mean, so many great guys around me, I could learn from what they were doing. And so if you can continue to learn every day and the, 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 the manager and everyone can see that he's continuing to get better and he gets better, now he has a chance to become a starter. But if you continue to go backwards, striking out, making errors, making mental mistakes, you're not going to be that guy. But that all comes with having confidence in yourself. And so my second year in the big leagues, after I was back in AAA for two years, to learn and understand you have to play more positions than one. You have to hit the ball hard. The second year, I fully had the light switch on, and the light switch never came off. But it's based on the muscle memory and the mechanics that you have at the plate to get positive results. And he has to take away the idea he has to get three and four hits a game. When in his mind, he needs to just say, all I have to do is hit the ball hard. That's all I have to do is hit the ball hard. Takes the pressure off of him. And so if he can do that, learn the little tricks of the trade to play with yourself mentally, then physically you will overcome those little maybe negative habits that you have. But the bottom line, again, is, as Tony Gwynn would say, you do what you do at the plate because that's the only way you get better. And so if he can do what he's capable of doing at the plate, it will make this team better. All right, before we get out of here, your training net, let everybody know about it as this is the perfect time of year for it. Oh, my God. The Oakland A's have it now. They have it in spring training, and it's called a cutoff man, and it's going to make those infielders better because you can now throw to a target. You can get extra ground balls, and within 15 minutes, you've got 60 or 70 ground balls, and now you can get off the field. It makes the outfielders better 
because now they can hit the cutoff man. But now you're throwing it into a net, and after you're done, all you do is go and take the, the bucket from the back of the machine and, <laughs> and walk away with it instead of throwing it, somebody dropping it on the ground, and afterwards picking up hundreds of balls. So it, it's one of those machines that it allows you to get better in, in a shorter period of time with less picking up baseballs, which is something we hate to do as ball players, and then walk off the field feeling like you've learned something. So it's a great machine to teach you muscle memory to throw to target. And where can we get it? You can get it now at West Coast Sporting Goods. You can get it online at Teammate Sporting Goods, Teammate uh, uh, Sporting Goods, or you can get it at West Coast Sporting Goods. So there's a couple places you can get it. But right now it's on the floor at West Coast Sporting Goods out in San Leandro. All right, Bipster, we'll be calling you soon. Be well. All right, man. You take care of yourself. and great talking to you again. That's my guy. Absolutely love Bip Roberts. I say it all the time. He was one of my favorite players growing up watching him play. And last but not least, 20 bold predictions for 2020. Anthony Castro Vince from MLB.com. Ace fans, you're going to love one of his bold predictions. Anthony, happy new year. Welcome to the first show of 2020 for the athletics and our wonderful show. And uh, how were your holidays? My holidays were wonderful. Uh, my kids got overloaded with, uh, with with toys and princess stuff, and uh, I'm happy to be here on the uh, 2020 debut episode. Yeah, let me tell you, crazy for me is, is I have twin girls that are 14, and it's amazing yeah. how it's transitioned from Disney princesses and toys to now, Mom, all I want is clothes. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that coming down the road, but... Uh, yeah, mine are young enough that you can still uh, satiate them with, you know, markers and princesses and stuff like that. But I, I know that day is coming where, uh, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a busy man in all the wrong ways when they're teenagers. Number seven is one that my audience absolutely loves, where you talk about the A's, the Reds, and the White Sox as division winners. As we have watched Houston dominate this division. I mean, you think the A's have won 97 games back-to-back years. That's only got them into a wild-card game. Why do you see things changing? Well, for one, I do think the A's, I mean, it, it's easy to get swept up in the narrative of the offseason. It's not like the A's have, have obviously uh, lit the world aflame uh, with their offseason activity. Um, but, you know, coming out of 2019, I just felt like this is really the, the season they were circling anyway. Uh, to get really good. Well, lo and behold, they got really good ahead of schedule the last couple of years and, and were able to make the playoffs twice as a result. But, you know, I, I think this is more uh, the concoction that they look at as being a legit division contender, uh, you know, with the young arms and the rotation starting to come to fruition. Now a lot has to go right there. We know that, you know, A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazard, I mean, those guys really have to develop at the major league level. But um, the ingredients are there, you know, and, and I think we've seen uh, a strong offensive core from the A's to, to support that. So um, the question is, you know, will the Astros actually fall back? Now, going into the offseason, clearly the Astros, it was not hard to identify question marks with, you know, with free agency. We all knew or expected they were going to lose Garrett Cole, and, uh, and they've since lost Will Harris as well in, in free agency. You know, that alone – probably isn't enough to, to sway the division standings. But obviously what has happened since the offseason began is this sign-stealing uh, controversy uh, and, and a subsequent investigation, which 
really does create a lot of questions, I think, for 2020 because they, uh, it, it sure appears that MLB is going to come down hard on the Astros here before long. And how much will that affect them in the present tense? If there are suspensions on the front office level or even on the management level with A.J. Hinch, I mean, how big of a distraction will that be to overcome for a team that is already slightly compromised by getting older uh, at the top end of the rotation and, you know, losing Cole and, and losing Harris, losing these, these important pieces. So I think it will be a fascinating dynamic for a team that's had so much success in recent seasons. This is going to be a, uh, a major test of their uh, mental fortitude, I think, in the months to come. Are you surprised that things haven't come down yet on them? I, I know when we were down at the winter meetings, you had the commissioner talking about this investigation is the – Biggest and most comprehensive investigation in baseball history. And he kind of went, I don't know, Pete Rose was a pretty big deal, and that was pretty – but uh, are you surprised we haven't we haven't heard anything yet? Yeah, I'm not terribly surprised. I know these things do take time, and uh, they're, they're sorting through a lot of interviews and emails and, and all of that. So I'm never surprised when things take longer than you hope them to take. That's, that's life, right? So, um, And, you know, it is a pretty – you think about the – you know, the, the level of investigation they're trying to accomplish here, they want to do something with certainty. And uh, it's really a fairly young investigation in, in terms of when this all came to light. So um, I would certainly hope uh, by the time we get into spring training that we'll have some clarity here, although I, you know, not up to be to put a timetable on it, but I would certainly hope that just as a baseball fan, I'd like to, and, and as a person uh, who will have to go out and make real predictions here before long, I'd like to know what the deal is. Uh, but uh, it, it's all—it's all there, you know. We, we've seen the videos. We we know the allegations, and it's it's really uh, sent a shockwave through the industry. Not so much a shockwave. I, I think there was pretty wide understanding that the Astros were, were one of those teams that, that people were leery about with, with sign stealing. But I do think it's wider than just the Astros. I know it's wider than just the Astros. I know it's something that a lot of teams have engaged in at various levels. But uh, the Astros are. Uh, kind of the focal point right now uh, with this investigation, and I'm sure the punishment to come. In this article, you address three of the big four. When I say the big four, the guys that are rumored to really be on the trading block, Nolan Arnato, Mookie Betts, Chris Bryant, and then, of course, Lindor, the great shortstop from the Cleveland Indians. Who stays? Who goes? You know, they probably all stay, ultimately, at least uh, for this offseason. It's just it's so hard to trade a star, a star player in today's environment. Um, you know, the, the, the public valuations, the valuations the public places on a, on a player like a Mookie Betts or Francisco Lindor is actually higher than uh, other teams place on them. Not that they don't value those guys. I'm just saying they hoard young prospects in today's game. And it's just tough to find the right value. Now, in my predictions, I put the Dodgers will trade for Chris Bryant. You know, maybe that doesn't happen between now and opening day. It could happen in the year 2020, in the season of 2020. I do think the Dodgers are going to do something between now and July 31st of significance. Maybe that's Betts. Maybe that's Bryant. Maybe that's Lindor. They've had conversations about all of those guys. Bryant's situation has been tied up this winter because of his uh, arbitration grievance and, or excuse me, his service time grievance that um, you know he's trying to shave off a year between now and his, his free agent eligibility. But um, so we're still waiting that to be settled. I think there's a pretty wide expectation that he'll still have you know two more years before free agency. But you know it's hard to make that trade until you know for certain. Um, but you know that, that's a team that 
looking for right-handed power can control that trade market for any of those three guys, really. Uh, but, you know, with the Red Sox, they're trying to get under the luxury tax threshold. Um, there's other ways to do it without trading Mookie Betts. I just I, I find it hard to believe that High and Bloom's first order of business there will be to trade, um, you know, probably their most popular and best player. You know, that's, that's a tough move to start off with. Um, with the Indians and Francisco Lindor, that's a team that, that sets a high price tag and doesn't come off of it. That's why they didn't move Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer a year ago. Um, and they ended up moving both those guys within the year after that. So I think that's what will happen with Lindor. I think they'll take him into the season. I, I think they'll most likely be in contention mid-year and not trade him then. I, I think it's more likely they trade him a year from now. Um, and then with Bryant, the Cubs are a really fascinating team because they seem intent on trading somebody. It might not be Bryant. It might be Wilson Contreras or somebody else from that roster. But they, they seem to be focused on uh, 2021 and beyond as much as they are on 2020. So um, they're looking to you know shore up their long-term financial and uh, you know prospect pictures. So that, that could mean moving Bryant. But I, I always lean towards things not happening uh, in the immediate just because it is such a complicated conversation, but if, if I had to pick one of those guys to move between now and July 31st, I would pick Bryant, and uh, as I said, the Dodgers seem to make a lot of sense there. Yeah, talk about not doing anything, and they've been the one team really criticized is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Big market team, big money. They got themselves under the luxury tax. We thought they were going to spend this offseason. We know Freeman doesn't want to get rid of any of his prospects. You mentioned Gavin Lux could be rookie of the year this year in the National League. How, how would you rate the Dodgers offseason? Well, there's not much to rate, right? I mean, it's Blake Trinan. Uh, you know, they, they get him for their bullpen, and that's about the size of it. But um, I would also – and they lose Hunjin Ryu, which is no small thing. But, you know, they win that division by 21 games last year. They've got not just talent but young talent all over the field. They, they rate – they project to be above average at every position on the field. Um, they look to be pretty good in the rotation, even without Ryu. Um, and, and the bullpen, you know, who knows? I mean, that, that's certainly an area where they could use some help and maybe try and provide it. But it's, it's not like they have a screaming need anywhere. Like, if they don't do this, they're in big trouble. I don't think they're in trouble at all. I think they're still in perfect position to command that division again. It's just a matter of do they make some kind of blockbuster move that, that betters their odds for October. They, they know as well as anybody that October anything can happen. Anybody can get bounced in the first round or go all the way. Um, they came very close to going all the way for a couple of years and then got bounced in the first round last year. So I understand that they're not doing something for the sake of doing something. However, they do seem more keen on uh, you know shaking up their group dynamic than they have been in some time. So maybe that will lead to a blockbuster trade between now and opening day. But I, I, I do think between now and July 31st is probably more realistic. And I think that it could be just a situation where they go into the season looking pretty good and are pretty good and then figure out what they need to figure out as the year goes along because they do have the prospect capital and the financial flexibility to do pretty much whatever they want at the trade deadline. So, um, you know, that, that seems more realistic to me right now. It's been a long time since we've seen a repeat champion in Major League Baseball. you got to go all the way back to that dynasty team of the New York Yankees, where it was 98, 99, 2000. And here you have both World Series teams not making the postseason. Yeah, I think that's fairly realistic. I we, you know, I went over the Astros issues earlier, and again, maybe even if they do get taken down in the division, that's still probably a good chance at a wild card there. Um, the Nationals, I don't think it's hard to 
figure out what could go wrong there. I mean, it's a pretty old roster, right? It was an old roster last year, and they made it work to their benefit. But, you know, things can fall apart when you go on a deep run like that. And they're very, very starting pitching oriented. And they asked a lot of those guys last season. You know, Max Scherzer uh, had that had that uh, awful upper back neck thing that, you know, caused him to be uh, scratched from a World Series game. And then he pitches uh, after the, you know, the, the cortisone kicks in, he, he pitches uh, in game seven. But you know, they asked a lot of their arms and they'll continue to ask a lot of their arms moving forward. And that's a recipe for regression. It just We've seen it time and time again. We saw it from the Red Sox in 2019. So, and they, oh, and oh, by the way, they lose Anthony Rendon in free agency. And, um, you know, to date it's, you know, Starlin Castro uh, is a replacement in the infield. So, um, so yeah, I, I, they do have questions about that Nationals team in a deep division, uh, like the NL East particularly, where, um, I don't know, I, I think if things break right for the Phillies and Mets, they could very much, they, they could be right in the thick of things uh, with the Braves and Nats in 2020. So I don't think it's a, a certainty that the Nets, uh, you know, not only vie for the division, but vie for the wild card. I think they it's very realistic they can go backward in a big way. Well, the number one thing you had to start your article out, 20 things for 2020 predictions, is our guy Josh Donaldson. And you know he's a great A, and our fan base still loves J.D., will always love J.D. You predict the Twins. You know, we've heard Braves, we've heard Nationals, we've heard Twins, we've heard the, the, the mystery teams that are out there. You see it going down that uh, he's going to be in Minnesota. Uh, I think this one's already got to be struck from the record because, uh, you know, it, it sounds like the, the Twins are increasingly pessimistic about actually reeling him in. So my thought going into the winter was he's going to end up in the American League because, right, it's going to be an American League team that uh, goes the extra year, that fourth year, uh, goes the extra dollar, what have you. And so my, my initial thought was the Rangers will lose out on Anthony Rendon, and they did. And they'll go after Josh Donaldson, but they they seem reluctant with with Donaldson and his age, which you can understand. You know, he's entering his age 34 season. Um, and then your next thought is, well, you know, his heart is set on staying with the Braves. It's not just that that's the team he grew up with. More practically, it's a training staff uh, that that he feels good about working with. He worked with them in in uh, Toronto, and uh, you know, when when certain people made the move with Alex Anthopoulos. Uh, to Atlanta, you know, he's, he's benefited from that uh, in that one year in Atlanta. So, um, you know, as we sit here today now with, with the twins kind of not feeling great about things, it just seems like this guy's heart is set on going back to Atlanta and they're, they're trying to make that work. I, I'd be surprised at this point if it doesn't happen, but um, it's a fascinating dynamic because he really, he's got a lot of leverage at an age where players usually don't have leverage anymore in MLB. Yeah. Right? We've seen the games kind of get away from guys like Josh Donaldson, but he's in a really good spot because there's some good teams that need help at his position. And he's coming off a monster year, uh, that, that pillow contract, as they call it with the one year deal in Atlanta, he made good on it. So, you know, kudos to Josh Donaldson. I, I, I would, I think, you know, in the interest of making a bold prediction, I went with the twins, but man, it sure seems like his heart is set on going back to Atlanta. We'll see. So this is our first show of 2020, which gets me super excited when do you start, you know, we still got football playoffs. We still got the national championship game and college football. When do you start really getting excited knowing that the 2020 season's right around the corner? Well, just like everyone else, when, when they start reporting to spring training and, um, you know, those, those first pitches in anger and that sort of thing in the exhibition season. But, um, you know, as a function of my job, I kind of 
kind of maintain a, a level of excitement throughout the winter. I mean, I enjoy this stuff, like who's going to go where. And, and just the, the, especially increasingly as things get uh, more nuanced and analytical and in some places cold-blooded, like it's, it's just fascinating to watch how, how front offices go about structuring their club, what they value, what they prioritize, that sort of thing. And, and obviously the last couple winters leading into this one were pretty barren in free agency. So this has been a nice year where, you know, there there has been more activity early. There's been more aggression early. It's been more of that old school model, and it's just it's just fun to see guys move around and how they fit, where they fit, what you know, what makes sense, what doesn't, what happens that totally throws you off. Like Mike Mustakis signs as a second baseman, you know, that kind of thing, where um, you know things that make you scratch your head, and it's it's just it leads to fun debate. So there's been a really fun off season from that perspective. Hey, we always appreciate the time, and especially coming on our first show of 2020. And I will, throughout the season, if this thing goes right, we'll constantly be saying, hey, Anthony told you the A's were going to win the division. We'll be promoting <laughs> well, and that's And that is the beauty of a bold prediction. Like, even if you don't believe it, you got to go bold or go home, because if you just say that the Astros are going to win the division again, I mean, nobody's going to remember that. But if I do happen that the blind squirrel finds a nut, and the A's win this division, yeah, I will be one of the few who had that uh, on January 1. So that's a good feeling. Anthony, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Be well. All right. Same to you. Have a good one. Well, that's going to do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank the Hall of Famer Tony La Russa, Dallas Braden, Bip Roberts, two former A's, and Anthony Castrovince from MLB.com. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.